Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Andy. It is uh, Sunday morning on the East Coast. Currently watching Cal and UCLA in the last regular season Pac-12 game in the Pac-12 as we know it. Obviously, they have the championship game next week, but just wanted to tag something on to the podcast because you're going to hear me and Jesse Simonton talk quite a bit about a potential move. Now, we weren't reporting it as fact because it hadn't happened, but it was something that was floating around in the ether, and it was that Mark Stoops might leave Kentucky for Texas A&M. Now, it does sound like there were some pretty serious discussions about that. But at 12.16 a.m. East Coast time, Lexington time, Sunday morning, Matt Jones, our pal from Kentucky Sports Radio, tweets, breaking, I am told by a very good source that Mark Stoops is is staying at Kentucky. Now, if you don't follow Kentucky regularly, then you may not know about Matt. If you do, you know that Matt Jones has about as good a source as you're ever going to get at the University of Kentucky. And so if he says... Mark Stoops is staying in Kentucky. There's a very high likelihood that that is exactly what is happening. So Sunday could get even wilder. If A&M is once again on the hunt. Now, I don't know if it's a case where you just move to the next name on the list or if it's a case where you reopen some things or maybe you reach back out to some people who might have said no already. We'll see. But that certainly sounds like that's going to be more of an adventure on Sunday. And well. We already know how this time of year gets. So stay tuned. We got shows six days a week, and you know we'll do an emergency show anytime we need it. Now, let's talk about these crazy games. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. It is time to talk about all that has happened on an incredibly crazy college football Saturday. Jesse Simonson, it's almost all chalk. Other than Louisville, Kentucky, it's chalk. But the most dramatic kind of chalk I've ever seen in my life. We've got Florida State escaping Gainesville with its college football playoff hopes intact. We've got Alabama with its own prayer at Jordan-Hare. We've got Michigan and Ohio State playing a classic We've got Oklahoma State needing two overtimes to beat BYU. Georgia's sleepy. Clean old-fashioned sleep, but they did beat I mean, Tech. <clears throat> this was this was the Homer Simpson gif where he's like, you know, writing on the chalkboard, I will not what, you know, this was I will not ever doubt that even the most chalk of college football weekends can deliver the most epic of games. Because what? it was just, I mean, I mean, the prayer at Jordan Hare was insane. The, the the Ollie Gordon show for them to to look like they were going to allow Oklahoma to sneak in and and make the Big Twelve championship game, only for the Pokes 
to, you know, punch their ticket, keep their bitter rival out. I mean, it was just an insanely bananas day of college football, Andy. Insane. And now we got potential coaching (laughs) hires. News is firing. Oh, yeah. Let us start in Gainesville, though, because that's the one everybody was watching tonight. It was very touch and go for the Seminoles for a while. It, it first whole first Florida controlled most of the first half. And then I think when Florida state scored there right at the end of the half, that's when it looked like, okay, maybe they're starting to figure this out. Maybe Mike Norvell is figuring out how to call a place for Tate Rodemaker. But I thought we were going to be talking about when, when Florida took the lead again, 15, 14, I thought we were going to be talking about the ACC being out of the playoff picture completely. It was a one-two, though. It was a one-two because not only did Florida State score, and I think they at least got something, but then Florida missed the field goal. And it did feel like that was a major missed opportunity. The Gators did end up getting the lead. Uh, But the difference in the game, Andy, was that, you know, these studs that they have on the defensive line, Jared Verse had two sacks. Peyton had a couple sacks. I mean, they just hounded Max Brown up front, who clearly looked like a freshman. And then they said, you know, Mike Norvell basically smartly decided, even before Tate Rodemaker got knocked out of the game, let's give the ball to our best player. And our best yeah. player tonight was Trey Benson. And yes. so they, they rode, they rode that ground game. And they all they and Andy, what did they do? They also just let Florida do what Florida does, which is be stupid. Florida <laughs> commits a, a billion un, unforced errors, lack of discipline. A guy and it got wasn't thrown ju- out of the game for spitting on another person. And he was the and he was the first of of, of multiple players that got you know tossed. Tar- the, tar- yeah, Florida. targeting on a slide to give Florida State a first down and and keep keep them going on a third and long. Yeah. So. Tyler Wright in the chat says FSU better be back in the top four. They're not going to be back in the top four. Washington still has a better resume. Now they can hope that that Washington gets knocked out by Oregon. Washington barely beat Washington State, but barely beating Florida and barely beating Washington State are kind of the same thing. One was at home and and one was in the swamp. And the swamp did was pretty lively tonight, but this was I mean, back to this game, Florida's not, Florida State's not going to jump in the top four, but the committee does have quite the dilemma on their hands, Andy, because the Seminoles deserve to get in if they do beat Louisville and go undefeated, if there is that spot. The, the mm-hmm. question is, I mean, if they're onto their third-string quarterback, I, I mean, what, what, what sort of team are, are you just throwing to the wolves there? Let me let me let me correct myself. Tyler is correct. Florida State will be in the top four because Washington's going to move to three because Ohio State's going to drop. So Ohio State oh, will be so, behind so, Florida State. Right, right. And so they'll they're, so they're in now. They're in for now, and it's the question of can they beat Louisville to maintain that spot? Yeah, right. We both have and, the, the middle the middle fart there. We have the middle fart, Andy, because Oregon and Texas look so much more impressive. <laughs> right than than Florida State <laughs> and Washington. Right. Right, yeah. exactly. And well, Alabama. Well, all right. Let's talk about Alabama right now because this was incredible. When that snap sailed past Jalen Milrow, I just – that's it. It's over. These guys are done. Fourth and goal 
from the 34. Fourth and goal from the 34. How did this happen? And 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 to set the scene for for the for the three folks who did not somehow see this live or on replay, Hugh Freeze and the Auburn staff's inexplicable decision to rush two. Mm. Give Jalen Milrow like like as if he as if he was playing five hundred. He had all if, the time he wanted to. If you're and rushing then somehow, two, Andy, right? If you're rushing two, they somehow end up with one. single coverage in the back of the end zone. Yes, one on one in the back of the corner of the end zone. It, it was just inexplicable. The game management at the end by I think Auburn fans, if you know, you gave them the truth serum after this, how painful that was. They'd have rather lost by twenty eight. Coming oh. off the heels of getting b- blasted by New Mexico State to then lose like that to Alabama when you could have spoiled their, you know, potential eleven and one season, that is just galactic, galactic meltdown stuff. Because they it, muffed it, the punt too. That's how they right. The muff punt, got the muff set punt up. What, right, got Alabama back in the game, and it was not their regular punt returner. Just all of it was so strange, and look. Alabama playing like that is so strange. And, and I, I almost – I was about to say it and take the bait and say, well, this means Alabama can't beat Georgia. But New Mexico State didn't mean that Auburn couldn't beat Alabama because yeah. Auburn should have beaten Alabama. So Alabama messing around in the Iron Bowl doesn't mean that Alabama can't go beat Georgia next week because, look, we saw a sleepy Georgia against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, Georgia looked completely disinterested tonight in Atlanta. Um, they they sat out a ton of guys and that they kind of played like that. They kind of played like they were already looking ahead. I will say this for Alabama. They, they dominated the stat sheet. They dominated the box score. They were awesome. They were good on third down. They had more total yards, first downs. They had multiple touchdowns taking taken off the scoreboard. But we just lamented Florida's, you know, uh, lack of discipline and and self-inflicted mistakes. That's what gave Auburn the chance to win this game. Alabama was extremely sloppy. They committed umpteenth penalties in the first half. And so that's how you get these uh, touchdowns negated. Right after that snap that you you spoke about that, you know, sales passed, and that's an 18-yard loss. Then then Milrow gets another forward – you know, penalty for a, a crossing the line of scrimmage for an illegal forward pass, move them back even more. So if they commit those sorts of mistakes, you know, Alabama is not going to beat Georgia. They have to absolutely clean up some of that stuff. Nick Saban was right. You know, after the game, he was, he was great. You know, he said he's been in these shoes before when they haven't been quite so fortunate, fortunate and, and fortune was on their side tonight. Yeah, and that's that's really all you can say is fortune because it was not th- – this should not have been that close. This should have been, you know, Alabama by three touchdowns in this game based on these two teams the last couple of months. But it just – you just don't know. You just don't know from week to week. And we saw it over and over again on Saturday. It started with with – Kentucky beating Louisville, but then it was the Iron Bowl. It was the Apple Cup. It was BYU taking a lead on, on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming back. BYU forcing overtime, and then Oklahoma State winning in double overtime. Like, nobody was safe 
at all. Nobody was safe. Except for Michigan. Except for Michigan. But the thing <laughs> is, like, Michigan and Ohio State are both good. They right. Both no, played, yes. Yeah, they both played a good game, and Michigan won the good game. That's that's really right. what happened there. It wasn't it wasn't that they were that far apart. You know, they they were six points apart, and Ohio State was moving down the field at the end of the game, and then Michigan got pressure. Kyle McCord throws a pick, game over. I I thought this was a really interesting game, though. And I just finished a column. And I don't I don't think it's up quite yet on a, on on three, but about where Ryan Day is right now in this rivalry because I remember being there four years ago when Ohio State had just torched Michigan. Justin Fields had thrown for 300 yards and four touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins had run for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Michigan hadn't ever felt close at all. And I remember somebody asking Harbaugh, is it is it a talent gap? Is it a coaching gap? And as soon as the word coaching gap came out, Harbaugh like whips his head around. Looked like he'd have shot laser beams through the person if he could have shot laser beams with his eyes. And although Harbaugh handled that situation differently, it felt the same where he had no answers to give. Ryan Day felt the same way today. There were no answers Ryan Day could give to say, here's what I can do better. Like, it, it even though they're close, like this was a close game, a few plays would have turned it. It doesn't feel that close when you're asking Ryan Day, what do you do about this? You've lost three in a row in this rivalry. No, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you put a blindfold on Andy, and, and his blind resume screams top five coach in the country. But then he's facing an existential crisis right now, or that program is, because they've lost three straight to the team up north, and you're not supposed to lose to Michigan at all, much less three in a row. I, I go back to the comments that Harbaugh made a year later that Ryan Day has still never been able to come back from now that he has lost to an interim head coach, which yeah. is the born on third base stuff. Yep. I mean, that is going to be fair or not. That is going to be, you know, on his tombstone at this point because he can't beat because he can't beat Michigan. And and again, I don't that it's fair or not. That's where he is right now, and that's how a lot of Buckeyes fans view him, and that's why those John Cooper comparisons are only growing louder and louder. Now, John Cooper was 2-10-1, but that was a very different climate. Coaches were not held to the same standards they are right now, and I don't think they're going to fire Ryan Day. I mean, Ryan Day has three Big Ten losses, and they're all to Michigan. Like, that is insane when you think about it, but they are so unhappy, and – I have no problem saying he was out coached by Sharon Moore on Saturday. Sharon oh. Moore told his players before the game, I am going to be the most aggressive play caller you've ever seen in your life. He went for it on fourth down three times in the first half, once on fourth and goal from the one that was their first touchdown twice on their second touchdown drive. And they converted them both. And then you have Ryan day at the end of the half. They have 40 seconds left. They have fourth and two from the 34 yard line. Turtle runs the clock and sends out his kicker to miss a 52 yard field goal attempt. Like that's also, that's the game right there. Also turned down a chance to go for it on fourth and one from midfield. What does Sharon Moore also do? Dows up a halfback pass for a 35 yard mm -hmm. explosive play. 
brings in the backup quarterback for a surprise 20-yard run. I mean, he he kept his foot on the gas, Andy. And, again, Ohio State just, in the end, that they – they did not have. They did. They, they they turtled at the end. They didn't have. They they did not have the medal. They were not battle tested. And so it, I think it's it's a double it's a double deal too, Andy, because Michigan had the better quarterback, who's a mm-hmm. guy who Ohio State could have gotten. Yep. In the recruiting cycle, JJ mentioned that after the game. You know, you go you center yeah you circle back to that that JJ McCarthy could have been a Buckeye, grew up a Buckeyes fan. And then to fast forward to the present and have the guy you picked throw two just backbreaking interceptions, one that mm-hmm. sets up Michigan's first touchdown and the you know after the two teams to kind of traded punts. I wrote a column after the game, you know, talking about this heavyweight bout and how the beginning, you know, they were just kind of feeling each other out. Mm-hmm. And then they started swinging and then they each started throwing haymakers. Michigan had more punches, and it's because they had the better guy uh, behind center and the bullying offensive line and Blake Corum at running back. Yeah. Michigan still had the best player. Or I'm sorry, Ohio State still had the best player. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. was still the best player on the field. But it felt like after that, Michigan had the better quarterback, better offensive line, better interior defensive line, better running backs. And I, you know, Travion Henderson had been good. Mikey Samry still blasted him twice. And then it didn't seem the same after that. And, and I will say that the way Michigan handled Zach Zinner's injury was really impressive too, because that was one of those things that could really, one, you're losing one of your best players. That's their right guard who had the horrific, gruesome injury where they had to cart him off the field. The next play, they shuffle the offensive line. Blake Corum scores over the left side. Jump to, cut in the hole, 22 to, to, yards. To break house. the tie. And then they didn't really have problems protecting McCarthy the rest of the game, even though you worried they would because of the, the changes they had to make. And you know, it, it's, it's interesting because that was part of the thing when Ohio State was dominating it, especially the Meyer years. Ohio State was much more talented than Michigan. They are not much more talented than Michigan anymore, even though their recruiting rankings are still higher. Like you go to the NFL draft. I I remember doing it. I did a column off that 2019 game. And in the previous five drafts, Ohio State had had 40 guys picked and Michigan had only had 24. In all the draft, in the four drafts since, Michigan's had 32 guys picked and Ohio State's had 31. So they've closed the gap. Now, Ohio State's guys still get drafted higher, but it's, it's turning on that front too. And like Michigan's going to have double digit guys drafted this year. They are their Their output has gotten much, much better. Yeah. I, 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 hundred percent. I, I, I rubber stamp that, that stat as, as the closing of the gap as kind of an indicator of how this series has, has flipped on its head. I th- I think it's also because of exactly Michigan's response after seeing their all American guard go down. They are the emotionally mature team. They are the resilient team. And for them to literally say, you know, we got this for our dude, one play, touchdown. And then, Andy, they, they stopped Ohio State right after that. Yeah. that, that, that in, in, a, in a flash, they, they flipped the game. And while it wasn't, quote, unquote, over, 
they took control and had Ohio State's, you know, back to the, the whole boxing metaphor, they had Ohio State on the ropes and they just kind of kept them there and just jab, jab, jabbed until the end of the game. I mean, they chewed up the last seven minutes effectively of the fourth quarter to just completely milk the clock. Uh, we got some some Knowles mad at us in the chat, Jesse. They're 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 mad that we're we're giving that they you know they think we're giving the Knowles short shrift. But Maximus says, not gonna lie, I was a little worried about the Knowles after the first quarter. I was not worried about Florida State once they scored that touchdown at the end of the first half. After the first quarter, I was still a little worried for, uh, about them. But I thought they were gonna beat Florida once once they made it 12-7. I thought they kind of had it figured out. I'm not particularly worried about Florida State against Louisville, though they could lose to Louisville. Who knows? Louisville lost to Kentucky, but, and, and everybody in the chat keeps comparing Florida state to Ohio state guys, Ohio state and Florida state aren't being compared. Don't worry about them. Worry about Florida state in comparison to Texas. That's the one you got to worry about Florida state in comparison to Oregon. That's the one you got to worry about because it, it, nobody's knocking like Ohio state is not knocking Florida state out If Florida state is 13 and oh, they're in the playoff. Ohio State will not be a, a consideration. Ohio State need Ohio State needed Ohio State needed all this chaos that that almost happened today to happen for them to even back in. They're not they're not making the playoff, not make not make you know not winning the Big Ten like they did in twenty twenty two. That's not yeah. that's not happening in back to back years. Let's talk scenarios now, because I think it 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 all sets up pretty easily at this point as long as one thing happens. And that one thing is Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. Because Alabama beating Georgia will, would, would complicate things quite a bit. But if Georgia For beats sure. Alabama, Georgia's your number one seed. Michigan will beat Iowa. They'll be your number two seed. Washington, if they win against Oregon, will be your number three seed. If Oregon wins, then we'll talk. Now we have something to talk about. But I do think... Of the twelve and one teams, well, that this is where it gets weird. In this scenario where Georgia beats Alabama, if Florida State wins out, Florida State is going to be in. They're gonna be three or four, right? I'm not crazy, right? You're not crazy. I and I actually and so then what you're leading us down the water to here. If I'm the horse, you're taking me to the well here. Yeah. Uh is, but what about Oregon and Texas? That's the that is, it, is exactly is that's yeah. going to be the committee's that's going to be the committee's dilemma is which team do they feel like is the better one loss team thus far? They have rubber stamped Oregon as that team. The Ducks continue to look impressive. We talked about it last night. What they did to Oregon State uh, was another signature win to to, to kind of cruise past the Beavers there. Meanwhile, Washington's just kind of getting by. So I think it only gives us further credence of why you and I both believe that the Ducks will win in Las Vegas on Friday, but we'll see. They need, they obviously have to, if they want to get into the playoff, I do think in this scenario, Andy, and this may make Florida state fans, man, you'll get in, but you won't be the three seed. You'd be the they, four. They're going to, they're yeah, going to, they're going to, they're going to put, they're going to put a one loss team at three ahead of yeah. Florida state because of where this Florida state is roster wise at quarterback right now and Seminole fans aren't going to like that but that's that's what's going to happen yeah and fair or not that's what it is 
Uh, I'm with I'm with Maximus in the chat. This would be a great season for the 12 team playoff. That would be a lot of fun. The argument we'd be having, I think, Jesse, for the 12 team playoff right now would be that last at large spot between like Oklahoma, Missouri, Ole Miss and Penn State. Like three of those would get spots and one of those wouldn't. So who would be? Yeah, who would be well, left out? Well, not a, well. Louis, the irony is in the twelve team playoff. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lead us down a well. Actually, a, sorry, a, a bad d- so that all, all of them would get in because Louisville would be out after losing Kentucky, unless they beat. Well, Florida. no, they wouldn't unless they beat Florida State, in which yeah, they would yeah. both get in, and Louisville would have just that loss would have meant nothing, and they still could have gotten a bye game, a bye week. So, but all right, Zach, Zach brought this up in the chat. We need to we need to discuss this. If Alabama beats UGA, they'll they'll make it no matter how much it upsets people, is what Zach says. All right, here's the here's what complicates that. If Alabama beats Georgia, Texas will be 12 and 1 if they beat Oklahoma State with a oh, with head-to-head win in Tuscaloosa. Will Texas be ranked ahead of Alabama and then will Alabama and Georgia both get in because that's three spots and Michigan's going to get the other one if that's the case. The results got to matter, Andy. I think even if even if I before this weekend, I believe that Alabama was the better team over Texas. I'm not sure we can say that tonight, uh, based on how the Iron Bowl went. And based we certainly on can't say that this weekend, based on what we've right. seen. Yeah, based on what we've seen, uh, and so I think the committee is going to be able would be able to lean on on the most recent results. Um, but it will be hard for the committee to leave out the SEC champ who just if it happens, snaps a, you know, a team's 30 game losing streak or 30 game winning streak to the two time defending champs. So that is going to be quite the debate, but we're not there yet. We got to get there. No boy Rex says, so both of you are fortune tellers. How wouldn't we be number three if we were 13 and 0 at a 12 and one team? Will only because of our QB make it make sense. Yes. Partly because of your QB, partly because you're not going to be viewed as being as good as that team. They they will say yeah, you should if be you played, thankful that you would lose. That's what the, that's be, what they'll think. They you should be thankful that you're getting in. Yes, <laughs> at, like at all, like that. That's the whole thing is that you're still your your team is still being Florida State would still be being rewarded for an undefeated season, but the committee would also admit that having to play George is not much of a reward. Though that's the problem. Well, true, but they but they would you know. Maximus says right, that Moles, Moles get held to a different standard. They're not being held to a different standard. They're being held to the same standard as everybody else. And and people think if they played Oregon, they'd lose. Like that's. But unfortunately, there's not a 12 team playoff to actually let us see the freaking game. Like that's what that would be better. It's not fair to anybody, to Florida State or to Oregon or to Texas or whoever we're talking about here, that it's going to be some judgment call. Like that's stupid. They need to be able to play it out. Well, the the other thing is that you know to to, to that I didn't see that questioner's name, but you know th- getting judged unfairly. The irony is, Andy, Florida State's resume is worse than yeah. these one loss teams behind them. But well, I, I don't. I, I think the they're, results they're, have to they, they can't. The, the Florida State fans here in the chat cannot get over the Ohio State thing. But Ohio State losing losing their QB and making it is a different story. No, Ohio State's not making it. Guys, let it go. Ohio State isn't making it. Are they referring to the twenty fourth? Are they referring to the to the oh the twenty fourth when Ohio game? State? Yeah. yeah, you mean when Ohio State put Cardell Jones in and beat Wisconsin fifty nine to nothing in the Big Ten championship? Okay, I'll give you this. 
If Tate Rodemaker beats Louisville 59 to nothing, you got no problems. You don't need to worry about anything. You think that's going to happen? You'll be the three seed. You'll yeah. be the three seed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you win 59 to nothing against Louisville, there's nothing to worry about. Do you think you're going to win 59 to nothing against Louisville? Not based on what we saw tonight, because Florida's defense isn't very good. I, and he I, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say this, Andy. I, based on what I saw tonight, I feel even better. Like I, I kind of teased it earlier, but I feel even better about our, our, our pick of Oregon. Washington's offense is just not right. It, and it and, and Kalen yeah. DeBoer dialed up an awesome play on that fourth down when he dialed up the, basically the reverse option. Mm-hmm. Penix flips it backwards to Roma Dunze, who becomes his lead blocker, and it it like a twenty five or ish so run that set up the would be game winning field goal. But Penix was off pretty much all afternoon. They got what basically one of their touchdowns was a complete freebie because Washington State State's defender literally just fell down at the line of scrimmage, and Adunze was able to run fifty yards wide open down the field for a score. Um, yeah, I just, you know, they, they continue to kind of get by by the skin of their teeth. They're kind of the this year's uh, March Madness survive in advance team. But I think now that they're running up against the Ducks uh, group that just seems to be humming and, and, and humming on both sides of the ball. I, I can't wait for the game on Friday. We talked about a little bit about it last night, but now that we've seen another data point, the last one, from Washington. Good for them. First undefeated season since 1991. We'll see if it lasts more than exactly. a week. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, Washington wins. They're in. I think Florida State wins. They're in. Unless Alabama beats Georgia, then it gets all complicated. And based on what we saw tonight, I don't think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. Now, maybe maybe we get their version where they are the, the Auburn in the Iron Bowl today. But it will be, I mean, that game's going to be intense because talent-wise, Alabama, do you, let me, let me ask you this, Jesse, of the teams Georgia has left to play, Alabama in the SEC championship game and then potentially two opponents in the, in the college football playoff, does Alabama have a better chance than anybody else to beat them? Man, that's a great question. I would say, you know, man for man, you're probably right. I mean, obviously, Alabama is the most talented team per, uh, you know, the blue chip ratio and all, and all the four and five stars that they have accumulated on that roster. I think they're, that's probably the scariest team for Georgia. Yeah. Outside of, outside of maybe Oregon, that's probably the scariest team for Georgia to play. Um, because Michigan is trying to do – is trying to be a version of Georgia just with less – as good as they are, as much NFL talent as they have, they're trying to be a better version of Georgia with lesser athletes. And so I, I think that this is – you know, it's kind of crazy. Kirby Smart has more national titles than wins over Nick Saban. So he's going to – he's going to – this is his chance to, t- to tie that two to two. Uh, yep. Again, Georgia sleptwalked their way past tech tonight that they, they clearly that they, they were not overly interested that there didn't seem to be in that game um i can't wait i mean next weekend i, I don't know what we're getting who knows what we're gonna get from oklahoma state andy i mean exactly they don't they didn't show up in the first half against a bad byu team 
only for Ollie Gordon to run crazy wild in the second half. He scored five touchdowns. All of them came after halftime or in overtime. But then the Pokes still tried to give it away. Ollie yeah. Gordon scores the game-winning score inside the final. I think it was like 45 seconds. and they Right, they get, and then they the BYU the kicks a field block. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they get the extra point yeah. block. So it's not a four-point win, or not a four-point lead. BYU goes down, kicks the field goal. Crazy, crazy. But it was their, I think, third largest comeback in school history. Uh, yep. Gundy, Gundy was feeling himself afterwards. That's for sure. I before we leave the Big Twelve, I do want to point out Iowa State won a snowy Farmageddon. It looked incredible on that. That I mean, just piles of snow. In that Kansas State Iowa State game, and uh, Matt Campbell and company emerged the victors. Uh, I will say this about the Big Twelve Championship game: if we if we see the version of Texas we saw on Friday against Texas Tech, Texas is winning is winning the Big Twelve Championship. But we have uh, we've not seen that version of Texas every single week, and that is sort of the thing we keep saying: is are they going to consistently perform like that? Because I will I will say this, Jesse. You know that question I asked you about. Is Alabama the, the team best equipped to beat Georgia that could potentially play Georgia in the next three games? I actually think player for player, Texas might be that team if they are firing on all cylinders. But there's a version of Texas that Georgia just boat races. So they, they, it depends on which one shows up. Yeah, and Texas is bugaboo about not scoring touchdowns in the red zone would would loom large in a game where you need as many points as possible. Because that's the other thing, Andy. You know what we're about to enter now that we, we've officially crossed the 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 equator of regular season into big boy football, where, where it gets hot and spicy. We're playing in domes, and yep. and Kirby Smart has shown what these that what his team can do when you get on these fast tracks, mm-hmm. and suddenly forty points turns into fifty burgers real quickly, and yeah. so. Can they do that against Alabama? I don't know, but they have shown that an absolute ability to do that in these college football playoff games, which so not only do you have to play, you know, against the Georgia defense, which is not as good as it was a year ago, two years ago for certain. This is an offense that is capable of lighting up the scoreboard fast. Well, we think we got the playoff. We don't know what's going to happen, but we think we have a, a handle on the playoff scenarios. Jesse, let's talk coaching carousel. We, we know one thing. Jonathan Smith has been hired by Michigan State. We got that down. Uh, he goes from Morgan State. Thumbs to up to that one. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I, I think that's a good hire. I think he did a great job at Oregon State. You knew when conference realignment happened that Jonathan Smith was going to get plucked by somebody because Oregon State remains in conference limbo. And even though it's his alma mater, there were a lot of teams that were going to be really interested. So he goes to Michigan State. That's a done deal. As we record this at 11.52 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, the rumors are out there about Mark Stoops being the candidate at Texas A&M. Started hearing his name Wednesday night, Thursday morning. It got louder and louder as as it went, as we got to Saturday. You saw Mark Stoops beat Louisville. So if, if that's his last game at Kentucky, it's a pretty good last game. Aggie Twitter is a blaze right now, Jesse. You you almost wonder if th- they leak this thing to see what the reaction would be and then to avoid another Siano situation. Like, that's what I asked you before. I mean, I, I, I wondered that. I was texting with someone 
before we hopped on if that was the case just because texags.com billy lucci's you know having he might hopefully he's got a bunch of employees man in the message board tonight because texags is on fire as you said it is it, it's an interesting hire, Andy, because obviously we both think highly of Mark Stoops. He's a competent coach. He's a solid coach. He's done more with less at Kentucky, but I do think there is ab- an absolute lack of ceiling there, which makes this an interesting decision by Texas A&M well, and, that and, and, and you had question, you fired Jimbo Fisher yeah. for $75 million, and you basically just hired a more competent version of him. Is well, again, that really going to take you? We don't know if they've hired him yet. <laughs> like Billy Lucci is not reporting if, that yet. True. Like you it's have very not, true. You have not rumored seen that from the usual suspects. He is. We've gotten the top target tweets from from some very good reporters, but top right. target and and hired not quite there yet. But I will say this about Stoops, and, and this is the question you have to ask with Stoops. And I don't honestly know the answer to this question. Was Stoops at Kentucky ceiling or his own ceiling? If he was right. at Kentucky that ceiling, is the question. If, if it was only at Kentucky ceiling, but he can do more, then he can do more at Texas A&M. I do not doubt that if Mark Stoops gets the Texas A&M job, that he will recruit very well there. He recruited well above where Kentucky should be able to recruit. He will get great players at Texas A&M if he gets that job. The question will be, can he compete then with Nick Saban, with Kirby Smart, with Steve Sarkeesian, with Brent Venables? on the field. And that will be the the big question in the new look SEC. And I don't I don't know the answer to that. I will say if, if you didn't like being strung over, you know, strapped over a barrel by Jimbo Fisher, given what Mark Stoops makes at Kentucky and the security of his contract at Kentucky, he's going to command something similar at AM. Like you're going to have to give him a raise and more security, which is going to put him Kind of close to Jimbo territory. He was making what eight million uh, with yeah. the Wildcats. I, I mean, it, you know, he did. It was just two months ago when they lost by like forty points to Georgia that he lamented the he lack of his... nil. Right. That's right. not gonna. Be, that's not gonna be a problem at Texas A&M. Yeah. And he but has they lost to South Carolina at... last week. Yeah, and I, I know. And as you said, he has recruited well at Kentucky. If if he brings, you know, it's it's interesting because he's done a lot of great work in the Ohio area that's obviously probably not mm-hmm. going to be uh, a place that he, he he really hammers when he's at Texas uh, and if, if he's at Texas A&M we should say again this is not official this is not done he is just the rumored top target the, the, the question for me Andy if this is how it ultimately plays out is your is he the ceiling or was Kentucky the ceiling I think that is the 30,000 foot view yeah the, if you want to get granular on it it's was he holding the offense back at Kentucky because his offenses have not been very good. And that obviously is the, you know, glaring issue with what Jimbo Fisher was dealing with the last few years at Texas A&M, which does scream some red silent siren concerns. Well, now Stoops is a defensive guy. He's a former defensive coordinator. So like it is really, it would be higher dependent and you assume he'd bring Liam Cohen or maybe, I don't know. He could, he could afford anybody he wanted if he if he got the AM job. If he leaves, uh Troy coach John Sumrall would probably be the choice at Kentucky. That that seems former, like a pretty, former DC. Yep. Former DC at Kentucky, former Wildcat. That that makes the most sense if that happens. 
The other one that's floating around on, on Saturday night, and this is a name that's been floating around for, for the last couple days, is uh, is Jeff Lebby at Mississippi State. Jeff Lebby is Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, uh, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator. And you saw Ross Dellinger tweet that, that he was the top target of Mississippi State. Ah, this one, I, I don't know about this one. This, the Oklahoma was ready to run him off. Oklahoma fans were ready to run him off like three weeks ago. Now I realize he was Ole Miss's offensive coordinator, and so now you you would run the same offense as Ole Miss. I'm not sure that's a good reason. I was literally just going to say though, Andy, who's happier, Oklahoma fans who wanted Levy out of there, or Ole Miss fans who were tired of Levy when he was in Oxford? I don't know. I think Oklahoma fans statement. are pretty happy with Levy right now. I think they're pretty happy that's with what him I'm after saying. Friday. So, I, I think Ole Miss fans would be pretty happy with with uh, you know their biggest rival hiring Jeff Levy too. I don't I don't get this one at all. Not when there was other Power Five guys like a Chadwell, who obviously he came out and said, you know, I'm I like where I'm at with Liberty. First undefeated season in their school history today. Yep. Uh, and ja- but, Jamie you know, Chadwell not, Fritz, not in, yeah, Jamie Chadwell not Fritz. not in the mix at at Mississippi State. It doesn't seem like. Now, with Jamie Chadwell, I kind of wonder, do you hang out and wait for South Carolina to potentially open in a year? Do you do you hang out? Like, what about North Carolina? I know Max said he's back, but man, North Carolina has not been good. No, it, that is, you talk about a dispiriting finish. You know, USC they, wasted no. Caleb Williams. They, they seem to certainly waste Drake May because that was a bad way to go out. I mean, they just got housed tonight by by NC, oh, by State. NC State. Yeah, it was it was terrible. Thirty nine to twenty, the Wolfpack go nine and three. So Dave Doran, and and shockingly, we've not heard Dave Doran's name this entire coaching carousel. And he's he's nine. He's this is the time he should be jumping. He just doesn't seem to have a, a landing spot. It, no yeah. no natural no natural openings. I I I think Jamie Chavo would be great at a South Carolina or a North Carolina. And, you know, Tennessee is his dream job. That's not a secret. He wanted to get into the mix when they hired Heifel and it was just deemed he wasn't ready or, you know, that powers that be deemed he and his staff, which had zero power five experience, wasn't ready. Perhaps what, you know, a, a year or two at Louisville and they continued, you know, win a couple conference USA championships. They'll be in line for a bigger job. There's going to be, there's, there's going to be more dominoes to come, Andy, because if if mm-hmm. whether it's Sumrall or somebody else at Kentucky, obviously Oregon State has a bunch of Pac-12 options where they could go Ryan Grubb, uh, or they could go for a sitting head coach. They, you know, I think they have some interesting candidates there. That's going to be a tough job well, now that it's like, not quote unquote Power you, Five. But like, do you bring Bronco Mendenhall back? Like, or does yeah, he, you does mentioned he that last as night. A head yeah. coach. I think that would be interesting. Um, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus let's let's we talked Florida State beating Florida let's talk about Florida 
man. I, I have been told over and over again that Billy Napier is safe, but everybody keeps asking me. So I'm going to ask you, well, what do you think is going to happen? I, I think, I think Billy Napier's biggest safety net is that it's not only the 32 million, Andy, it's the fact that the powers that be at Florida are not going to allow Scott Strickland to hire a third football coach. But you can you can do that if you want. You can you can do the double if you want to. Uh, I'm blanking on the last one, but I do know Ole Miss did it in 2011 with Pete Boone and, and Houston Nutt. Like it's it's been done before. I just that part it just of makes it, that 32 million plus that it's just a one right. two you know thing that I just think it's going to be too much for the folks at Florida to overcome. I'm not saying it's it wouldn't be justified. The results just haven't been there. Again, that this is a lack of discipline has been the hallmark of this team, this program, this entire season. Yes, they do have a top five recruiting class, but that's teetering a little bit, Andy. They saw right, several deep commitments, yeah. and and can you hold on to that? This is a was the youngest team in the SEC in terms of the guys on their two deep who were getting snaps, and now you you've squandered back to back chances. Yes, they were against top ten teams, but back to back chances to secure that sixth win where you needed those 15 practices. And so the other reason, Andy, I think you don't fire them is because look at the 2024 schedule. Do you want to put a first-year coach with a team that's still going to be in transition? Do you want to hand them, you know, seven, eight losses? Because I think the writing's on the wall one way or another. I I do not foresee a turnaround because of what they have next year. Here's the problem. Let Let me give you this scenario. Probably he's got to hire an offensive coordinator to replace himself as the play caller. Maybe he's got to hire a defensive coordinator. We'll see if they, they decide to make a change there. Special teams. He does. He definitely needs to hire a special teams coordinator. Now, all of these people are not going to just jump at the job. People that would be qualified that you would want. They're not going to jump at the job because they're looking at it like I'm coming into a, an either lame duck or a complete hot seat situation. So you got to pay them more. And you've got to give them long, longer term contract. You got to give them like three year deals. So you're going to save six million dollars firing next year versus firing now. But how much are you going to? How much more are you going to spend if you have to do this with the coordinators? Like it's a great we we saw this with Will, we saw this with Muschamp. They we did. They had to they had to give Kurt Roper a two year deal as offensive coordinator. They had to bring in a couple other uh assistant staffers and give them multi-year contracts we've seen it we andy you and i've been around this we've done this dance before around the floor i was on the beat you were obviously at si national uh guy back then but this is we've seen we've seen this dance before here in gainesville Mm -hmm. we we certainly have and i i it's a tough question and i don't and i don't think that it it may be easier for us to say they won't do it because of x y and z but we're we're naming a lot of reasons of why they could. Well, I, I think the, <laughs> and, the main and, reason and, you don't do it is at a certain point you can't just fire somebody every two, three years. Like you can't keep doing that. You gotta you gotta let somebody have some time. And the guy who beat Billy Napier in Gainesville tonight is a great example of that. Mike Norvell had a bad first season, obviously took over a really tough situation after they fired Willie Taggart, and it was the pandemic. But he started that that 2021 season 0 and 4, and I think there was probably a point where Florida State had the money 
they might have considered doing something to him in year two. And boy, are they glad they didn't now. But I will say this. The, the difference between the year two Norvell team and the year two Napier team is the year two Norvell team fought, 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 got better, 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 it felt like. Did not look undisciplined as you got toward the end of the season. And that that feels like the difference. But I but, but again, and this is what I would say if I were Billy Napier, if I'm defending my job. Yes, they lost, but on the road against Missouri, which is a top 10 team, they they fought and were in a position to win the game against an undefeated team in a rivalry game. They were in a position to win the game. So if I'm Billy Napier, I'm going, okay, you 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 say Mike Norvell had a young team be better and, and at the end of year two. If I'm playing, if my schedule's flipped and I'm playing, you know, not good teams right there, we're winning those games. So I, I get where he can defend that. Like I I I don't. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on this. I know there's a lot of Florida fans that, that want to see a change. I don't really, I really don't have an opinion. I, I, because I think, I think you can make that argument. Like I, I just made the financial argument. And if you make the financial argument, you probably make the move. But if you make the, you got to give somebody time eventually argument. I think there's merit to that. There is, there is, and but I will say to counter your counter, you know what Florida fans are saying, and they may not be saying this exactly, but it, I'll, I'll, you know, use a metaphor. It's easy to let Mike Norvell be the guy that gets to bake that cake when he doesn't live or exist or work in a in a kitchen with a dozen or another dozen grade A pastry chefs. Right, and now Kirby, the Kirby Smart Oklahoma, is the difference. Right now that Oklahoma and Texas are coming into the league and, you know, you play Kirby every year, you're going to face off against Saban every other year. Texas is on the schedule next year. You're playing LSU. The further, the further, allowing the cake to bake makes sense in a vacuum, but it can burn and you, it can burn badly. And suddenly, you know, you're staring at the at, at at looking up, you know, from the bottom yeah. of the SEC when you're a proud program like Florida that has two championships in the last two decades. Yeah, it, it is going to be a very interesting time in Gainesville because again, if they don't make a move, you're still going to see a lot of staff moves, and that's like coordinator domino stuff is is going to happen too. We're going to see, we'll see more head coaches get officially hired on Sunday. We'll probably see some more get fired on Sunday too. And then we'll, you know, th those jobs will fill the dominoes will then go. You know, we said if, if Stoops were to leave Kentucky, we think it's, we think it's John Summerall from Troy would be, would be the choice, but we don't know. And this is going to be a wild next week or so, Jesse, because you've got potentially classic PAC 12 championship game, potentially classic sec championship game. Very interesting Big 12 championship game. Very interesting ACC championship game. The Big 10 championship game, we're pretty sure we know it's going to happen. But think about this, Jesse. The only thing standing between Tony Petiti, the Big 10 commissioner, handing Jim Harbaugh, the man he suspended three weeks ago, 
the conference championship trophy. All the stands between Petiti and having to hand the trophy to Harbaugh are Kirk and Brian Ferentz. And Mr. Deacon Hill. Deacon Hill. <laughs> the absolute unit of a quarterback. I cannot can, can, believe that. Can Iowa's Jared Lorenzen, black Jared Lorenzen, throw for uh, over 100 yards against Michigan? What you got? I, I, I don't think so, but... I'm very excited to watch that game just because of the the drama stuff. Oh, it's gonna be incredible. Yeah. And 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 unfortunately we did see that result two years ago and it was what 41 to nothing. But pretty let us yeah. let let us ha- hold hope that we'll see a much more entertaining, entertaining game in Indianapolis next weekend. Listen, we're gonna see a lot of entertaining games, Jesse. We're gonna see some very interesting coaching moves. There are going to be a lot of fan bases. Like again, you you want to you want your message board geniuses night. Go look at what they're posting from from Texags right now. Like they're on fire you, right now. What? Let I guess before, right before we wrap up. What? What? If 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 in this hypothetical, Stoops goes to A and M and Kentucky gets Summerall. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yeah, you think those fans, you think Wildcats fans are actually a little bit like, hey, we, we were ready for a reset. Well, interestingly enough, uh, our friend Clark Brooks, the SEC stat cat, who is a, you know, very attuned to, to the dogged Kentucky, Kentucky fan. Yeah. He said, sure, let's without thought replace the longtime successful coach with a, uh, with a guy from the Sun Belt. That's worked out so well for Florida. That's exactly what he tweeted about an hour ago. Hmm. So maybe not then. Yeah, it's, it's maybe gonna not be, then. It, it's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, with, with a lot of these jobs, I, I don't know that there's a candidate that's going to make everybody happy, but I will point out because we've, we've been very wrong on some of these guys before Jesse. Like we all thought Scott Frost was going to work at Nebraska. We all thought he'd be great. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And I remember Jed Fish being fairly universally panned when he was hired at Arizona. He's been awesome. So you just don't know. You don't. And as I peek at Twitter, as we wrap up here, we are, as someone who was on the ground and wrote some columns that did well and and got a lot of buzz during the Shiano nights at Tennessee, or Shiano yes. Day, the Shiano, the sacking Sunday. We're not there yet on Twitter, but there is some just insane outrage right now from Aggie Land o- over these these rumored reports. Something well, I, I literally haven't seen since since Shiano. I was in Auburn on Shiano Sunday. Remember, so this was this was after the 2017 Iron Bowl. Auburn wins to set up an Auburn Georgia rematch in the sec title game. And I remember, you know, sitting there uh, cause Gus Malzahn had a, had a press conference on Sunday night. And so I went to the Gus Malzahn press conference you know, chit chatted with the Auburn beat writers and, and all that. And we're all just like, are you, are you looking at this Tennessee stuff? Like, are you? and I just, you realized at a certain point, like, Oh my God, it's really turning. Like they're, they've made a deal. And they're going to have to go back on it. And 
that's the only time I've ever seen something like that. I have seen times where a name got floated and the backlash was so bad that a school moved on. So and remember, remember, Tennessee fans know this. It could get it, it, it could get worse because it did get <laughs> yeah, worse. It did. And I actually <laughs> thought, you know, this shows how stupid I am with this stuff. I thought Jeremy Pruitt was going to be a good hire at Tennessee. I, I think I, I, I got to know Jeremy a little bit. I think he's a hell of a good football coach, a hell of a good football coach. I think he was an awful people manager and had mm. no idea how to run a program and that played itself out uh well, spectacularly. Should, I should have listened to Aaron Murray who yeah. was adamant. He called it right away. And, adamant. and Murray got dumped on immediately for yep. that. Well, by and, a bunch and, of Alabama fans. Let me let me throw another Aaron Murray thing at you. If Aaron Aaron is a good dude. I worked with him a lot at, at SiriusXM. Uh obviously you see him calling games on the SPN. He's also got a, a podcast with our friend T Bob Avery called Snaps. Aaron also said this to me several years ago on a radio show we were doing together. He went on about a 15 minute rant about the way Jimbo Fisher makes his quarterbacks hold the ball. Like they have to keep the it caught the hands King by thing. their ear. Yeah. And he's like, it makes them so robotic. They can't play free. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody's done that in 10 years. He's like he's just going off after that. I could never unsee it. I was totally out on Jimbo Fisher after that because I could not unsee it. And I was, you were I was like, laughing. oh, there's Kellen Mond like that. Oh, there's yep. Zach Calzada playing like that. Oh, there's I, Haynes King doing that. Yep. I was laughing because our, our, our friends, Bruce Feldman and Sam Kahn and Max Olson did a story in The Athletic about what went wrong at Texas A&M. And in that was that. That entire recruiting staff were saying, Jimbo made his quarterbacks hold the ball by their ear and they couldn't play free. And it was just great. Like it's, but yes. So if Aaron Murray says something immediately after a coach gets hired, I think we need to treat him as an Oracle. <laughs> like, cause, cause he seems to have it. He seems to nail it every time. Oh man. Night, night in College Station. It's gonna be a long one. It's gonna be a long one for for Texags, man. Well, guess what? We do this show six nights a week during the season. We got another show on Sunday night. We will definitely be talking about all the news that will be breaking on Sunday. Because I guarantee to you, there's gonna be a bunch of it. We will talk to you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.